before this week's note is off, uh, Timo was lucky enough to brief Q&A with Chung Seo Kyung at the uh, Lumiere. I hope I'm pronouncing her name uh, correctly. But she is the co-writer of Decision to Leave, uh, the Park Chan-wook film. Uh, she's also co-written The Handmaiden, Sympathy for Lady Vengeance, Thirst, and I'm a Cyborg, but that's okay, all also with Park Chan-wook. And Timo was lucky enough to get a quick three-minute Q&A with her that we're going to play before... This week's normal note is off programming. Um, the question is, it's just one question. Mm-hmm. I like to say this is the future. Yeah. Because when I grew up, I was in the 90s, and they were saying, oh, the future is near to the year 2000. Mm-hmm. Now that we're in the year 2000, it's the year 2020. I don't know what to do with that. So I like to tell people as a joke now, it's the future. But it doesn't feel like the future. It doesn't feel like there's a future. As a screenwriter, as a storyteller, Mm -hmm. what do you feel about that phrase? Oh, but it's the future, or it is the future. You know what I mean? Ah, 그거랑 좀 다른 의미에서 저는 정말로 미래를 살고 있다고 생각해요. In a different sense from the way you said it, I think we are currently living in the future. 왜냐하면 뭐 대학 때라든지 젊었을 때라든지 그때 생각했던. 여러 가지 삶의 조건들이 뭐 오래전부터 지금 이미 이루어져 있어서 그렇게 살고 있었고 because I think um, the circumstances of life that I had imagined back when I was younger and I was in college is what I'm living right now. 그것도 그렇지만 저는 아이가 둘 있거든요. 아이가 둘 있는 사람 제가 무슨 말 하는지 알 거예요. But on top of that, I currently have two kids, and I think anyone with kids would know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. So there is there is a reason to sense for hope. Like, because I root for hope, but I don't know that there is any. But I root for it. It feels like a struggle, and it shouldn't be. Is that weird or wrong or right or anything? When I was young, I didn't have a lot of hope for the future. Okay. But I live diligently. And then the future eventually came. To an aimless 34-year-old, what would you recommend? Oh, you were 34. Mm. Yeah. Ah, when I was 34. I think I was similar. Okay, mm. that's a little a relief because <laughs> I still want to be a make movies. Like I'm still yeah. like being a filmmaker. I look to examples, but it, nobody sells me that examples. Mm-hmm. Everybody sells me, oh, you're too old. You know, oh, you never. It's no one at this age. It's too late. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking I've seen plenty of examples everywhere. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how to feel anymore, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I felt like asking you, thank you for your reply. I appreciate your work. Thank you. is Timo, that's Matt. Matt, you want to say something? I was going to say welcome to No Days Off, the first one we've done in fucking a minute. I feel like every time we start this, we should start it with, um, with, um, 
It's been so long. Oh my god. Regardless of like if it's the day oh after God, or whatever. Timo. Matt, it's oh been god. like forever. Like that kind of just rapport yeah. or something of the sort. <laughs> that but, rapport is a little depressing to me. Well, most our rapport is depressing to me. So yeah, you know, there's that's why we really. don't talk. That's what that's real talk. We don't talk. People think that we have. People don't think. No one listens to this. No one thinks. Anymore, no one anyway. listens to this fucking shit. But well, that's just, yeah. All right. Well, there's also <laughs> that. I know. I feel like the people that listen think that we're friends and we do things, but no. I come here, I sit down, and I say, "Fucking turn the goddamn microphones on, so we can speak into the void." You know the, the way. Nothingness. The way we we you conduct ourselves on here is probably the reason why no one listens. I think no one listens because we don't advertise this literally at all. We're we not put trying. No effort into the like production. anything. Yeah, we're not trying anything concrete. We're just like kind of like rolling with the idea of what we think. It's like someone who's making their first movie and it's just like, oh, I've seen movies. I know it's done. And then like there's another guy in the room who's actually like been in, in production. And he's like, actually, there's and the guy's like the arrogant one. It's just like, no, 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 I don't worry about that. But I know how movies are done. And then like they'll just like adjust everything, and then you have the room. Yeah, we are the room. I'm the room. Timo's in my space. I wrote down, um, we should call this episode, Get High and Die and It's Over. I don't know why I wrote that. I think I know why I wrote that. Because it sounded stupid when I wrote, and it's over after and die. And I was like, that's kind of funny. It's very redundant. It is, right? It's like, like get high and die and it's over. Like, it sounds like someone who's too high but being profound with someone else who's too high and thinks that's profound. Yeah. I don't know, it reminds me of this book. T- I've been trying to buy a copy of this book, but it costs like $50 uh, called uh, I've Been Down So Long It Looks Like Up to Me. And I don't know why, but that reminds me of that. By Richard Farina, I think is his name. I don't know who wrote the book, but uh, there is a book I, that that reminds me of that you just mentioned called If You See Buddha on the Road, uh, Kill Him for Me or some shit like that. It's supposed to be like a, like a popular book in like the 70s or whatever. Like in the time of... Um, I'm okay, you're okay. We're okay. like that book. What's I'm okay, you're okay. You don't know about the okay. Uh, I I grew up with a bathroom that had that book, and it's like a self-help book. It's like a conceptual like, well, if I look out for myself, and then you look out for me, and then I'm looking out. For, it's one of those books. Yeah. It's like um Carl Jung light. Carl Jung light. Yeah, like someone who doesn't want to read the um man's search for meaning because they're like that cover looks that's boring. victor frankel dude i know i know victor frankel but they look at the cover and they're like that looks boring i'm okay you're okay hmm now that sounds like something i can get behind like that shit you know it's like yeah it's a dumber version of a pretty probably okay concept but i kind of like you do you like the victor frankel book i've never read it i i'm a little averse to holocaust stuff i don't know someone who's you know raised about- by a holocaust survivor i'm a little or partially I still don't equate a book like that to the Holocaust, but I'm terrible at like sometimes well, isn't, making isn't obvious it about connections. The Holocaust? It literally is, but I the context of it to me is college. So I think of that book and I think, oh well, he you know it's a doctor and he saved his work, and then like you know big points. Yeah. For some reason, I glaze over the Holocaust, <laughs> or I know like well that part is obvious. There's no reason to bring that up, but no, there's obvious reason to bring that's like the. I don't want to say that's the premise of the book, the Holocaust, but it's a big portion of what that book's about. But it's almost like when I heard about Martin Luther King and I was, I was a kid yeah. and I was like, oh, my neighbor must know him because, you know, this must have happened the other day and shit. Like, like I didn't know that. No, we're Your talking about the 60s. Your neighbor should know who Martin Luther King is. Hey, man. Even though it's the 60s. You know, man, his hair was also like, you know, sort of had that curly stuff going that, that I saw in the picture of that. So I don't want to get it too into it because we're well, gonna. Are you like, just saying he's African American? He was African American. He was an African American. 
Yeah, but I was trying to like go around the, it's because it I was supposed to make it funnier somehow. I'm really glad I, you helped me bail on that one. Yeah. I like to make sure that you don't think you're funny. That's important to me. Mm. The novelist film has been playing here a long time. Do you want to talk about the novelist film? Have you seen it? It's on my list. Saw the novelist film. Um, oh, you saw it. So you did see it. It's not on your list of things to see. It's on your list of things you want to talk about. It is on my list of things I want to talk about. Well, well I don't know what to talk about it because it was your uh, sort of idea to see it be initially, and then time passed, and then I got to see it, and I was like, oh, I wonder what Matt had to say about it. What did you have loaded up uh, initially when you were like, saw it? Like, did you have a loaded opinion? I think it's definitely something if I want to see the film again. And it was interesting. I saw it in the big theater here at the Lumiere. If you've been to the Lumiere Hall uh, Music Hall, you know there's three theaters. There's a small theater, a medium-sized theater, and then a, a big auditorium. And they played a Hong Sang-soo movie in the big auditorium, which was just interesting. But it was like kind of... for Lu The Lumiere was kind of full. There was like 15 people, 20 people. See it again? Um, yeah, I, I always try to see Hong movies twice. I get um, a lot more of them, out, a lot more out of them the second watch. But I did get a lot out of this one. Um, it's just all of his films change. He, he like uh, even though he's making the same goddamn fucking movie over and over Don't again. Don't say that. I disagree with that. No, I disagree with it too. But I also completely agree with it, and I know I'm right. Only be uh, serious. <laughs> uh, I mean, he makes films that are very similar in a lot of ways, but the way he changes them is really interesting. Um, so I've only never seen, seen a, a number of them. Uh, how many have you seen of his? I don't know, maybe 12, something like that. Of the number I've seen, only one I would watch over again. And that one's, I like, and conceptually, it's in interesting. It's right now wrong then. That one's great. I've seen that, that one twice. A rewatch. The other one, yeah. I think I got Hotel by the River and Novelist Film are the only two. Oh, wait, there's a third one here. Yourself and Yours, which I can't remember, but obviously it says I yeah. liked it. Uh, I would only rewatch Right Now Wrong Again because it was like Carbon Copy. What was the name of that movie that you always correct me with? Uh... Uh, certified copy. Yes. So it reminds me of that just in that the story plays out and you're wrapped up in it and then it shifts and then you, you still get it but when the movie's over you're like fuck that was interesting when that thing happened because I didn't slow myself down to like catch up necessarily I kind of just let the story wash over and you kind of I don't know it, it comes together in a, in a sort of like you know poetic puzzle uh, whereas this one was pretty straightforward um, yeah I wonder what I would catch if I were to see it again. What do you look for when you watch it again? Um, Hold for a yawn. Oh. I thought you were yawning. No. Yeah, if the anyone fucking... hears that ringing in your ears, you have tinnitus. I would, the phone's check, I would check that out. People like to call here when Timo and I do the podcast. Remind me to mention tinnitus uh, during Tar. We're going to mention Tar in a minute. We're going to skim over Tar in a minute. No, I'm kidding. We're going to talk about we'll Tar. We'll skim over Tar. Remember, remind me to... Talk about tonight. Okay, I will mention it. Um, but I feel like for Hong movies, it's more of like feeling the emotional beats always takes a second time for me. Like I understand them cerebrally, but I don't really feel them super deeply until mm -hmm. I f see them a second time. Um, and especially with this film, because it's it's like I think there's only what like probably 15 shots in the whole movie. It does seem like that. They're yeah. really long. It does takes. seem like you can count them in one hand. Yeah, they're really long takes. But they're really long takes that are really interesting and vibrant. Um, I took a friend to see it who had never seen a Hong movie before. Uh, and he the first thing he mentioned was how pretty it was, which is really interesting for Hong, if you know anything about him. Um, he shoots his own movies. He works with crews of, like, five. Uh, he shoots his films all on the fly. Does he cinematograph himself? 
he shot uh, the novelist film himself. I think with a camera assistant, but that's it. Uh, he used to have a DP, but he doesn't have a DP anymore. I read a thing on the Letterboxd about it where someone mentioned about the black and white where they were like, I didn't mind it so much here because uh, the granny added this and this. and this. I forget to, about that kind of stuff, but I love a good black and white movie. And oftentimes you can just tell like, oh, this is well shot and all this is badly shot. But, but usually black and white movies don't come out these days unless they know what they're doing behind the screens or it's just technology is caught up that you can make a good one uh, without really thinking about it. I yeah. guess I'm thinking about um, mutual appreciation or like, you know, that no budget, low budget shit like that, which looks yeah, beautiful in black and uh, white. Not listen up, Philip, the color wheel. Yeah. Um, uh, by the way, mutual appreciation, amazing movie. Yes. That's probably we should get into that at some point. Uh, Andrew Bajalski movies or just because his career is interesting and his yeah. uh, filmmaking style is like an inspiration to me, namely with computer chess, I think. Yeah. Computer chess is definitely like kind of a miracle. Uh, wait, shit, I have to deal with this, sorry. Uh, hold for yawn? Not yawn. I know, my friend just... This guy who I know, uh, who I really don't want to continue speaking to now, uh, invited me to a thing. Before I knew he was shitty. Uh, so, yeah. Does he know that you know? That he's shitty? I didn't know until very recently. It sounds like it, because if he's texting you... He got me a job on a set, which was really sweet. What was the set? Um, anyway, back to this jerk. Yeah. What did he... Oh, do you want to... What did he do? He just, like... Does he treat other people like he shit? He was really, really sexist to a female friend of mine in a way that was, like, beyond unacceptable. And I didn't know that at the time. I knew that she had problems with him, um, but we weren't really speaking when... I, I found out... I, I'm not really speaking to that friend right now because of mental health problems, but, yeah, it's, it's a long story. Yeah. But anyway, he's, he's shitty, and I'm not going to talk to him anymore. So I feel bad. Well, that's not juicy enough to uh, sort of keep in here, but it's also not like revealing enough that we delete it, so we can leave that part in. Yeah, leave it in. Let's leave it's, that part it's in. good to talk about people being shit. Well, it reminds me of, I went through something like that where I had a friend and uh, another friend, and the friend I met later was a girl, and she sort of like, um, mm, I don't want to say got into a relationship with this guy, uh, this, first, this initial friend of mine, but he... Wound up being shitty to her, and then I had to juggle about when I heard about him being shitty to her. What do I do? Like, what's my response? Where do like you know? Should I yeah. you know stand up for her? Should she should stand up for herself? She did stand up for herself, and the time has passed. Like all this fucking shit yeah. starts rolling. Cut to now. I cut that guy out of my life because he was shitty in more ways than just that. It's like so. That was like a warning sign. I'm glad that you cut this guy out like off the start because I, I I went through a sort of a. A more uh, tumultuous thing about it, whereas yeah. you seem well, to be handling it okay. I think it's just like I've learned that like if you're a sexist that that if you're a sexist or racist or anti-Semite or anything like that or homophobe, that tends to be like a really big sign of character. Yeah. Like it's nor it's very rare that I meet someone that's like you know they're really fucking racist, but besides that they're a great guy. I think it's we're talking like about Harvey Weinstein, right? Is this like yeah he does that shady stuff, but you know what man. Yeah, he raped those kids, but... <laughs> but you know what, though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah or, Harvey Weinstein wasn't a pedophile that we know of. No, but he's a sexist pig. He's a sex offender. I don't know if he was sex... No, you have to be sexist to be a sex to offender, To treat women like, like To objects. treat women like he did, yeah, you, there's no way he's not sexist. There's got to be a little... You're right, though. That's not the word. There's another word. Misogynist, there's a word. maybe? That might be a better word. What does misogynist mean, like, definitionally? What's the, uh, what does Oxford say about it? Why don't you Google it, because I'm going to get it wrong. 
Speaking of misogynists, let's talk about Tar, by the way, because I feel like Tar is like kind of a misogynist in her own way. We'll wrap up uh, the novelist film. You rewatch it? I want to rewatch it. I think like the reason I really wanted to bring up Hong is as someone who like is making movies with no money, he's like the fucking inspiration. Like him and Andrew Bujalski and like Alex Ross Perry. There's a number of names up there. He's up there. I think Hong is number one by like a pretty significant margin. Uh, with Andrew Bujalski at like a close second. Andrew Bujalski and like Chantal Ackerman are like close seconds. Um, Takashi, uh, beat Takeshi, uh, Takeshi Kitano. Yeah. Have you seen any of his movies? I fucking love Hanabi, but that's all I've seen. Uh, his, I think, style turned me on to that style of cinema of like Asian, slow, sort of pensive, um, not a lot of action, but plenty of emotion. Uh, the, the one I would recommend yeah. now is uh, Seen by the Sea. That's the one where I was like, this fuck. Like, I saw Hanabi and, like, a number of the other one, crime ones that he's done. They're, they're good, but they blend together in my head. Seen by the Sea stands out completely. And it's an incredible just, like, uh, ev- uh, execution of tone and shit like that. And it's also, like, one of those, he's a guy who no one wanted to help make movies. No one took him serious. And then he went out of his way to did this thing, financed it himself. Yeah. Filmmakers are some often just like the most incredible people. Yeah, well, he's also really interesting because he's famous as a stand-up comedian. He is right. I've never seen a stand-up of you. I don't think it would translate well to he America. He was on TV from what too, seen. right? Like he was like a like yeah, he was like a TV announcer kind of guy yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did like a lot of that kind of stuff. And that's how the country knew him. Yeah. And then yeah, and then he came out to be a incredibly serious filmmaker. Yeah, I mean he's done like great great stuff i need to see the tortoise and the something and uh i want to say it's the tortoise and the hare but i don't think that's right what uh what what that's not beat takeshi is it that's beat takeshi it is i need to see dolls uh and i really want to see his uh zatoichi movie it's funny because you're, you're dropping all these names but he's made a he's a prolific guy uh he's like uh, he's made like 15 movies i think right something like that a number of them. Uh, yeah. Thankfully, my, my computer is super slow now, so nothing's coming up. But um, uh. but I thought I'd take the opportunity uh, if uh, you're into this, the novelist film. Deci- Decision to Leave is here, too. We'll talk about that at some yeah, point. Yeah, I need to see it. Armageddon Time. We're, we got that. James Gray's amazing. I fucking love James Gray. If you haven't seen Little Odessa, which is the movie that James Gray hates, but I think is amazing, you should see it. I, I will see it. I've never seen that. Oh, really? Uh, I great. know James Gray's name rings a bell in my head, but I don't know why. He did. I'll name his fucking movies in reverse chronological order for you, bitch. My bad. Uh, At Astra, Lost City of Zed, uh, The Immigrant, which I might be seeing on Thursday, which I'm pretty hyped about. I like The Immigrant a lot. I need to see it. I'm terrified of seeing it in the theater. Um, terrified? It's just a movie. I remember seeing it, and it just like fucking demolished me. Uh, and I'm seeing it after Armageddon Time with him there in person. Maybe. Big maybe. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think I remember the name coming up in a Q&A situation. Yeah, he's a really fucking great... I've listened to like hours and hours of him being interviewed. He's a great interview subject. Um, so, uh, that's, uh, so that's it for the future, and that's yeah. at, the, at the music hall. If, uh, you know, I don't think we, we're really good at selling the music hall, but we are bringing it up that we're at the music hall it's all the time. It's a great fucking... Th- it's, it's my favorite theater in Los Angeles. I think uh, we'll start... Um, when we really start telling people about this podcast, we'll, um, we'll, we'll, um, I don't know where I was going with that. Something like stickers and something, something, yeah, t-shirts, we'll something. Guns. 
I really um, want to sell No Days Off themed guns. Uh, actually, before we move on to Tar, because well, you know time runs, I want to talk about After Sun because I don't know if we'll get a chance to. We're getting that sure. movie. Uh, After Sun's good. Have you seen it? We just got it. Uh, tell me about it. It's uh, it's a movie that's like very good, but I think pretty overhyped. Like R R R overhyped. I haven't seen R R R, so I can't say. You haven't? No. It's like a phenomenon. I'm skipping it too. I think. I I might see it. Um, I feel like After Sun is really interesting. Uh, it does a lot of things really well, but it also doesn't feel like a cohesive whole. What's um, oh, overhyped about it is that it's an A24 movie. It's one of those. Well, it's it's more like every like a lot of critics have been saying it's the best movie of the year. Um, That's always, I guess, yeah, that a key yeah. sign of overhype. I mean, when I don't know. Says it's the best of yeah. a year. I also saw it in like probably not very good circumstances. I saw it after seeing a movie called uh, All Jacked Up and Full of Worms, you which didn't like sit scarred the whole me. Thing. Dude, that movie scarred me. I wanted I, I, to I see had it. nightmares about that movie at like after seeing it like a couple, a couple times, which I never have nightmares. I'm not a nightmare guy. And that movie fucked me up. And I couldn't finish. I saw the first 40 minutes and I had to walk out. First 40 minutes. And that's probably more than halfway through the movie, right? Like, it's not a very long movie. I think that was one of the key things you're, you're going in there for. You're like, yeah, and it seems pretty short. So, you know. Yeah, it was. I like to occasionally see movies I know nothing about. And that changed my mind. I'm, I'm doing a lot of this sipping at the, at the microphone. And we're not wearing headphones. So we can't hear what this sounds like. I have like, no but fucking I'm gonna idea. I'm going to do it one more time. Just for like, this is the last time. That's so loud. It's pretty loud now, I but I can hear here. it like increasing in like sound as we went along. Yeah, um, it's gonna get bad. I'm misogyny. sorry for you listeners. Uh, misogyny is a bad. I like thing. I like the switch from after sun to misogyny, but please continue. Well, I I I I, uh, I thought you would say more, but it sounds like uh, I'll watch it and then we'll talk about it. Yeah, I need to see after sun again. I just saw it like the day after some really bad shit was going down. I was running down the list of the things we have here. Uh, RRR is another one that we got here. Yeah. Pearl, Meet Me in the Bathroom. Uh, Terrifier 2 is going to end pretty soon, I'm pretty sure. Unless it's over already. Okay. Moon Age Daydream, everywhere all at once. Triangle Sadness. Well, th- we'll get to that after we're done talking about Tar. Uh, and then and then, this will be like our most chock full of actual material episode ever. Yeah, we haven't talked in a minute, so we actually have stuff to talk about this time. It's kind of nice. I kind of like it. It's not bad. It's not, not bad. against it. Tar. Misogyny? Tell me about it. I don't know. She feels... Um, she. It feels more like she's using women in that movie, but I feel like it's because all of the other major characters are women. It's notable that she's a lesbian. It is notable she's a lesbian. Yes. In a room full of men, and uh, that's made apparent by all the uh, pictures on the wall of great composers, and all of them are men. Yes. All of them are men. All of them are men. Yes. A lot of men. She even hangs out like one of her best friends or something. It's not a best her friend, mentor. but like one of her mentor, yeah, is a is a like an old school dude. He was the composer at the German place before her. Yeah, right. Which was uh, interesting. Uh, before we get too into it, uh, Wikipedia says misogyny is hatred of, contempt for, or prejudice against women. Yeah. A form of sexism used to keep women at a lower social status than men, thus maintaining the societal roles of patriarchy. Interesting. Is so Tar she's, she for is the patriarchy? Mis- what? Is Tar for the patriarchy then? I wouldn't say she's for the patriarchy, but she does use women like objects almost exclusively, including her wife. Can't be helped. Kind of including like. her wife. Her, her relationships are more complicated. She's like a really well figured out character. 
Um, so maybe calling her misogynist is not like super accurate. Well, I don't know but how I to use those words, reading. but she moves about the world like a man. Like she like can't help but be entranced by yeah. this sexy cello lady that she has to let her hair down despite her lover being just immediately to the left. Like, yeah, that's like her mm, wife. I think I not self-aware of all things, you know, like she's very uh, self-centered. This uh, this character. Yeah. Centered on her work. Um artistic yeah can you separate the art from the artist that was like definitely the thing that hit the hardest for me was how that is portrayed in the movie as someone who is like a fucking artsy bitch well uh problematic artists come to mind immediately yeah, of just like and that's it's a debate it's a debate that that's unceasing considering like louis ck is one of the big ones where he's really totaling the uh, i don't know what the word is totaling the line Towing the line. He's, he's definitely like a figure that like has had a shitty pass. But it's not shitty enough that you can throw it in his face. He can he can work about. Whereas Roman Polanski has a con like you know. Well, Roman um, Polanski's still working. I mean, I think. I mean, also Roman Polanski. But there's a concrete thing you can throw in his face. Yeah, whatever. Roman Polanski did something way fucking worse than Louis. Like a million times worse. Maybe it falls in line with the movie because culturally he thought it was okay. He grew up in a place where 16-year-olds are like a common place to he fuck around with 30 and had anal sex with a 13-year-old. Yeah, you see, that's not... Uh, that's not... That's not good at all. There's no fucking I didn't country know that where one. that is the age of consent. There is no country where that is the age of consent. Yeah. But there are uh, shady parties where that happens. Yeah, but um, I mean, those are on Epstein's Island. Where, and fucking... where the name Epstein might come up, which is a real-world thing. Yeah. Uh, so but don't it, get yeah. caught, you know, Tar got caught. Uh, if she hadn't gotten caught, would she still be uh, ennobled, you know, to be like a great woman composer? I... It seems like with the pandemic is the thing that fucked her. Remember, she was no. coming back to do the fifth uh, symphony. The last one, yeah. Which she couldn't do because the pandemic interrupted the work. Yeah. Seems like if she had gotten it out... Yeah, I mean, if the pandemic, I mean, I feel like it's more of an issue of her not setting boundary with certain boundaries with certain relationships. What kind of relationships? Uh, see the fucking goddamn movie, Timo. No, you've seen it. I did. I feel bad spoiling it. It's definitely a movie no. To don't sit feel bad through. spoiling it. We uh, no one's listening. That's true. So go ahead. Uh, I think her relationship with no Noemi Merlant's character is definitely like that. Was that the secretary? That's the assistant. Assistant, yeah. And she was up for the job. That she uh, yeah so uh, spoiler spoiler I alert don't. spoiler alert and that's in um, the yeah if you guys are yeah and we're really sorry if I'm really cruel to you but you can go you guys can, you, you know can get forward. over yourselves um, about the there is a sequence of the film where Kate Blanchett fires her like uh, main uh, main man uh, like first chair in some area or like this very major figure in her uh, orchestral department. Okay. In who's Berlin. Not very good, yeah, he's not very good at his job and has been there a long time. And Noemi Merlant is her assistant who she's been fucking uh, in a way that's kind of cruel. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's a mixture of like her having a sexual relationship with that character mixed with the fact that um, Kate Blanchett's previous assistant who she trained with Noemi Merlant took her own life after having a sexual relationship with her. Uh, and it's kind of inferred that it was because of Kate Blanchett's character that she took her own life. Um, but basically, she doesn't give Noemi Merlant the um, the new job, despite the fact that Noemi Merlant has been fucking her for that job. 
and then Naomi Merlant kind of like puts I wouldn't her life say in shambles. That. Uh, because the women in the movie that Tars and and it's and more comp- it's way more complicated than that. You should see the movie. Right? Yeah. Because yeah, how do you think? How'd you feel about the ending? I hated the ending. The ending. I didn't hate the ending. I kind of. It was kind that. of a meme. It was a little a much. Meme. What is a meme? I don't know. Her fucking playing for fucking China. Disney movie oh, in right. fucking Laos or not Laos Cambodia. Yeah. It's like yeah, people fall, but it's also like fucking look at Will Smith. Look at fucking Roman Polanski. Look at I mean Harvey Weinstein fell, but like it's not implied that the character in Tar did anything as close to as bad as Harvey Weinstein. She seems more right. on par with uh like a little below Roman Polanski. She's like didn't do anything as bad as Louis. Or she did wait no 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 Louis didn't I think do anything could be bad a, as her akin to the Louis thing or like Aziz Ansari didn't do anything as bad as her. Insofar as we should never compare, I think one crime with another. That's also so, a good point. Crimes are yeah they're each yeah, in their own box um, for sure. But what she did was drive a woman to suicide because she would she blocked her uh, the the woman from getting any work. Remember all those emails were no I don't think it was recommend- work I don't think it was well the woman I think that committed suicide wanted to be a composer. And yeah. all these emails came from Tar to these all these different places. No, it, yeah, yeah. Where she's like, "Don't hire this woman. She's a threat." Don't. And it didn't no, no, seem no, no, like no, no. It was the other way around. It wasn't Tar sending those emails. Tar was receiving those emails and not to. Right. No. She no, was sending. Tar them? was sending them out. And that's uh, why she told her assistant to delete them. And the assistant was getting all the emails back saying, uh, "Help me. I'm miserable." Uh, I can't stand this woman. She's not. She's not letting. Like it was a lot of abuse coming at it from a very uh, professional standpoint. From really? a, like, I thought it was a lot of people telling Kate Planchette in the past not to hire that woman. That's how I read those emails. No, it was the other way around. That that was part of the filmmaking where I thought um, it wasn't very clear. Yeah, um, I mean the movie it, leaves a lot up to interpretation for sure, which is definitely I think a strong suit. Well, there's that, but. I think the actors are very good in it. I don't know how... I know the script is incredible. I loved the script. Uh, it's so, like, New Yorker intellectual, big words, like, but the ideas are, like, basic. So it's, like, it seems to be going over my head, but I'm grasping everything that's happening and I'm engaged. It doesn't seem to be a lot of direction, can I you, don't think. Can you turn towards me? A little bit. Um, uh, it doesn't no, seem mind. to it be a like lot of... There were, at the angle that I was at, it looked like Timo had shaved one of his eyebrows down and not the other, and it was quite odd. Like Ringo Starr? Yeah. Yes. You know how Ringo Starr doesn't have an eyebrow? He doesn't have an eyebrow? I thought he didn't have a testicle. No, oh, no I think he's got Green both Day testicles. Guy. He's missing an eyebrow because I think... Um, that's the Green Day guy who doesn't have a ball. Really? Yeah, one of the, I think the drummer of Green Day doesn't have a testicle. I think uh, the guy, Marilyn Manson, doesn't have a rib. Yeah, he, he took his ribs out to suck his own cock, right? Suck his own cock. Which you can do without removing your ribs. No, it's a little hard. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard, but you can do it. Don't be a pussy and have surgery. So Tar is pretty misogynist, huh? I don't know. It's a, it's a, I don't think the movie's misogynistic. I think the character might be. It's definitely like an interesting character piece, though. It's definitely, um, I keep saying it's definitely. The movie isn't selling you anything, like, solid, which I like. Like, it's more, like, yeah. about various things uh, than it is about the one thing. Yeah, which I for like. sure. See if you can, uh, how do you think, maybe, did you pick up on that? She mentions uh, something about irony and uh, people using 
Wagner's music in a Jewish context. And she's like, it's kind of ironic, really. And then she moved on to the... When she's in the classroom talking to the students. Yeah, Wagner wasn't... I think he was just a famous anti-Semite that was for the Nazis. Right, but she was making the argument that uh, politics and art don't necessarily have to mix. I don't think they should. I think it defeats the purpose of art to be political. Well, I think it's supposed to come... It depends on the piece. I think it was supposed to come full circle when she's working for this... She's doing soundtrack music. I mean, it was established that she did soundtrack music to start with uh, in the film, but but I wondered if you could maybe complete the circle that I couldn't complete. See, Tar is a movie I guess I would watch again a second time. I would watch Tar again. I I don't know. It's definitely like a, a fun ride. I enjoyed it. You thought it was fun? I thought it was fun. I thought it was more serious and fun. I like Punch Drunk Love. That one's fun. I th- really that one like fucking I had to walk that movie off. It wasn't as bad as um all jacked up. No, and full all jacked of worms. up. Well, Punch Drunk Love, yeah. It's Amen. nowhere close to as bad as all jacked up and full cinema of worms. Cinema is cinema, is cinema, you know. Do you find that to be true that movies no. are movies and movies? No. No? There's a distinction between film and cinema and, no, and movies I, I, and junk? No, I think it's just like... It's I like, like the there's two. a distinction between, like, you know, everything in literature as well. It's yes. not all just books. It, it is all just books. There's a there's the Iliad. <laughs> it's all just books? It, there's the Iliad. There's um, Man's Search for Meaning. And then there's, like... Brandon Sanderson. Right. The yeah. Phantom Tollbooth. The one you said. Uh, what's the other one you said? Uh, I said an author's name, Brandon Sanderson. I don't know who that is. He's a bad sci-fi writer who makes me want to die. People like Robert Heinlein. What? Robert Heinlein. I don't know who that is. He wrote Starship Troopers. He's supposed to be a terrible writer too, but he's pretty good. I mean, I don't know. Starship Troopers is pretty hype, but I've only seen the movie, and that's a Paul Verhoeven movie, so of course it's going to be great. His writings are interesting. I really like Stranger in a Strange Land, and it's my dream to adapt it. But, Stranger in uh, a Strange Land is Robert Heinlein. It's Robert Heinlein, yeah. Why is it problematic? Oh, it's just a lot of, like, ass slapping and, like, you know, women are kind of servants and they like it. Like, a lot of little oh, stuff like that. But it's ew. also, like, pseudo-intellectual, like, well, you know, the Bible's interesting for its... Da, 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 da. Just, like, a bunch of, like, high school points. Yeah. But it's good. It's, it was fun when I read it. Um, I mean, shit that's, like, not okay can be fun. Sometimes I like to think that books are just books are just books. Sometimes I hate that. You I don't think, like it at I'm, all. I'm, like, such a big believer in, like, artistic voice. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Here comes our buddy Louie. Lou. Um, we talked about Tar. Next, last, and thirdly is A Triangle of Sadness. Yeah, Sean Baker's favorite movie of the decade. It is? Sean Baker, like, fucking went off on that movie. He bought a hundred, uh, 200 tickets to that movie and just gave them to people. That's how much he liked it. His, I love his letterbox shit because it's he's, people are always trying to call him for his reviews. And all he does is has, like nice things to say about and not nice not nice he's just like i saw this movie and here's the here is what what I, you know yeah. he gives you like the basic like go watch movies and see what you think you know yeah which i like i, like I love that. Do that it's hard it's a hard it's a tough uh, thing to do sometimes to like maintain a chillness that you can sort of like share like keanu reeves and sean baker are the only ones i think who can like evoke that and just no, like, I think Scorsese can. Yes. Well, no, yes. But the kids are really don't like his Marvel opinions. So no, he's, fucking... I'm, you they know, really I don't like it. that many people that really care. Um, and I'm a kid. I'm 23. You are a kid. And most of the people that I've talked to about the Marvel movies and Sean's response to the Marvel movies... 
Um, film bro, do you do you associate? Now ignore the door. Do you associate yourself with the film bros? I don't know if they're good or bad. I feel like sometimes good, sometimes bad. Uh, film bros? It depends on the film. It's it's all individuals. It is individuals. Yeah, because I mean, you know, everyone's a film bro at some point, right? You have to start somewhere. I guess it's more the people that are just averse to like you know seeing anything that's outside of like the Nolan verse is annoying. See, the words like Nolan verse seem annoying. I don't think that's a thing. I just am like. I remember when I was in college, like, talking to people who were like, you know, I say my favorite director is David Fincher, but it's really Quentin Tarantino. And I'm like, just say, they're both. They're both basic as fucking. Yeah, like, neither is more intelligent than the other. I mean, they're both great. They're great filmmakers. No shit to either of them. But they're definitely, like, not, like, my favorite filmmaker is fucking Robert, uh, uh, or Alain uh, Gruyere-Rabbe or someone like that. Okay. Or, like, I fucked up that name for sure. I'll think. Uh, I my favorite filmmaker is Hao Shao Shen. Like it's not that. I couldn't pronounce. I couldn't spell that to save my life. What Alan you just Robert, said. Uh, Hao Shao Shen. Hao Shao Shen. I can spell it. Do you Let's want me to spell it, it for you? H O U, H S I. I know who this is. Yeah, he did like the assassin. Yes. Goodbye South Goodbye. Yes. You've seen Goodbye South Goodbye? No, I think I've seen another one by his. I've seen a lot of his. I'm a huge fan of Hao Shao Shen. I'm saying his name very quickly, and I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. You're terrible at pronunciation. You slur. Hao Shao Shen. You slur. Um, I don't say slurs. You slur all the time. All right. Um, Triangle of Sadness was okay. I liked it a lot. Was okay. I thought it was really fun. Um, I feel bad uh, putting it down. I'm not putting it down, but I feel bad talking about it if Sean Baker really loved it. No, I mean, you cannot like a movie if other people like That's it. That's true. But I mean, I, I liked it a lot. Uh, should it have won the Palme d'Or over Passive Fiction? Absolutely not. Over which one? Passive Fiction, the best movie of the year. It's fucking amazing. What's this Passive Fiction? It's by Albert Serra, who did uh, The Death of Louis the Sixteenth or Fourteenth. Fourteenth. Death of Louis the Fourteenth, which I haven't seen. And I've seen a handful of his other films and didn't like any of them. I hated all of his other movies. Um, but you, this, he, he's a he's a favorite a topic of ours here on the show. Yeah, we talk shit about him a lot. And then I saw fucking passive. Talk I talk shit about him a lot. Okay. And then I saw Passive Fiction. Yeah, it's a great movie. I need to see. I haven't seen that one. Louis is a great movie. Uh, Lou just walked by. Yeah. Uh, mentioning how Louis is a great movie, and yeah. I agree. The guy that did it did a movie this year called Passive Fiction, which is amazing. It's like a David Lynch nuclear drama. It's isn't, interesting. Isn't that Tarkovsky? It's very Lynchian. No, it's not Tarkovsky. Um, no, because Tarkovsky's like lynching, but he's got that apocalyptic movie. What's the one? Stalker? No, not Stalker. That's another apocalyptic one. No, the one the that sacrifice? takes place in a house. Yeah, I think it's The Sacrifice. The Sacrifice is amazing. I love that movie. Yeah, I love The um, Sacrifice. Tarkovsky? Do you want to talk about Tarkovsky for a minute? Do you want to be artsy? you want to be artsy-fartsy? You know what? Yes, I do. Um, Tarkovsky's another favorite topic of ours here on the show. Yeah. My favorite being Solaris. Go ahead. I haven't seen Solaris. I love Solaris. I haven't seen Solaris or Nostalgia, and I keep hearing those are the two best Tarkovskys. I, the one I need to rewatch is uh, Andrei Rublev. I got through it, but I don't think I got it. It's like eight and a half. I also yeah. got through it, and I just feel like there's something in there that people are talking about and they get that I don't either see or get. So I'd have to watch it again to see what it is I feel about it. But yeah. I know how I feel about La Dolce Vita, and I don't like it. Like I don't, you know, I don't think it's terrible filmmaking. It's, it's I'm sure it's it's very very, uh, very good filmmaking. But yeah, you the one that hits yeah. the, the core for me is Amarcord. Uh We're getting away from Tarkovsky. No, let's talk about fucking liking great artists and disliking great. I mean, I hate the idea that you have to like everything by someone that's a great artist. Like I hated Mouchette. 
the Bresson film, I think it's like beyond dog shit. Bresson is difficult though as a filmmaker. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. That's so that's interesting when you can have that like you know that navigating sort of like well certain Bresson yes certain Bresson no. That's hard to like tell someone who's only seen Tarantino movies and be like oh you might want to watch Tri Bresson. Oh yeah, I wouldn't you know recommend I mean? any. I maybe Largent. But I don't think I'd recommend any other Brissons besides L'Argent to anyone who hadn't seen, like, you know, more really art house. I think he's, like, might be the hardest filmmaker to get into. Art house is an interesting or, thing, not too. not the hardest, but one of the harder ones. Like, because the kids seem pretty uh, not averse to art house. They seem almost for yeah. it. Well, it's it's definitely something of, like, a lot of people that I know are looking for art that provides them with any sense of, like, fulfillment and meaning. So, like, Art House does that. Like, that's the reason yeah, Art does. House is so effective. And, like, you know, I, like, I have been going to this retrospective of films by Theo Angelopoulos recently, who's this incredible Greek filmmaker. If you live in Los Angeles and you're listening to this, they show his movies for free at the Hammer Museum. They're showing a handful more this year. I would highly recommend them. Um, and I go to them. And they're, it's a 200-seat theater. A lot of the times uh, it's half full or a little bit more, which is impressive because they don't advertise it at all. Um, and I would say m at least half of the audience is under 30. Mm -hmm. And students? A lot of students. You know, I, a lo I've met a lot of people there. Some are students. Others are, are you know, people that are working in the world. Um, some are students at different colleges. I met a girl from U USC there, despite the fact it's a UCLA official thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, like, I know a lot of people that love Hasha Shen, and all of them are in their 20s. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I envy sometimes these kids. They're really knowledgeable about things that I couldn't know about. But yeah, we, we were born into an era where any movie you wanted, you could find. It's on your fingertips, right? Yeah. But then there's a difference between that and being raised in cinema the way certain kids can be. You know, even nowadays. Yeah. I think I mean, a lot... Sorry, what were you going to say? No, that's good. I think a lot of the kids that are raised in cinema... Depends on who it is and, like, their relationship. But I don't know. I feel like a lot of kids – I meet a lot of kids who – or I met – I'm not in college anymore. But when I was in college, I met, I met a lot of kids that were raised like that, that, like, their parents would take to the, to the movies a lot, and that's how they got their love for movies. And it's that's really sweet, but a lot of them, like, what really breaks my heart is they don't really learn how to search – excuse me, search for things. So it's like, yeah, when they're young, they're seeing interesting stuff, but then, like, when they're not – young and seeing movies with their parents all the time they're like not really seeing that much interesting stuff because they're not looking mm -hmm. they're not like looking for the weird stuff anymore their parents did that now they don't know how um and a lot of the times they're not super open to learning about it or that's not true sometimes they're they're open to going to stuff but i think it's like you kind of have to push them a little hard it's safe to say i think your imagination is limited only to your family and friends and sometimes your family and friends will not allow for that sort of like mm, unexpected shit, you know, to be let in. So Yeah, and it's that's hard. That's a hard thing. I mean, you know, I've met people that like liked art but their parents were really averse to it so they never like really pursued it in any meaningful way. Not like as an artist, but like as a consumer of art. Mm -hmm. It's 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 interesting. How social, but how individual art is. How like, yeah, I'm gonna go to a museum with a friend of mine today, um, and it's the first time I've seen him in a long time, and it's gonna be nice to reconnect. But it's also like we're going there to see art and talk about art, hopefully. Um, yeah, and then share notes, yeah. Yeah, and it's like some people don't want to do that. Some people don't want to like have their opinions challenged on a piece. They don't want to figure things out. 
Well, it's hard sometimes to share the point. Yeah. Uh, because, like, as much as you have it, what if someone else really doesn't, like, want it? Like, yeah, they don't have to want it. Is it wrong for us to want them to have it, you know? No. Yeah. Yeah. Do you need a... I asked for the bare minimum and I expect it. Well, you're, you're going you're gonna to get whatever slur you used just there. I don't... I, I could have sworn you just slurred. You were just... Literally, like, you censored yourself. You, only, you went, like... Beep, but you know how no, they, I didn't. You when, I, they, when they say the word backwards, my like words backwards mixed together, but I don't say mean things, Timo. I think you say plenty of meme things. I do say meme things. I say plenty of meme things. Timo, um, you white son of a bitch. I've been running around, Matt. I feel like I'm hearing like my tinnitus is like you using curse words at me. So I feel like 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 I'm hearing things. So you know, if I act a little funny, don't don't trip. It's just me. I am I'm sure tripping, it's just but in my that's head. unrelated. Um. How do you like running around closing oh, doors? I think. How do I like what? Running around and closing doors. I, I I'm glad to be able to help because really? I know. Yeah, I, it's it's weird going behind the counter and helping because I'm not like an employee here, but like I'm totally comfortable like closing doors and being nice to customers. I want people to come here. I like this theater a lot. It's a good theater. Hold for yawn. But yeah, I like this theater a lot. You guys play a lot of stuff that nowhere else is playing. You've been playing the novels. You've been playing the novelist film for like three weeks. That's always impressive. I but love that movie a lot. We want to be the last theater to have the Terrifier 2 movie. You want to be the last theater? And I like that us being the last theater with Terrifier 2 and also hosting the novelist's film is a very good uh, way to be a movie theater in Los Angeles in the year 2022. Well, okay, you're playing RRR, you're playing Triangle of Sadness, novelist film, Tar, the novelist film, Tar, Moon Age Daydream, Pearl, uh, After Sun, Armageddon Time, Decision to Leave, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Meet Me in the Bathroom All at Once. And that's not everything. I've never heard of Amigo, but you're playing it here at the Lumiere Music Hall. We're also playing Angry Neighbors. Uh, you should ask Lou about that. I think Lou would love to. <gasps> Actually, I have a surprise for us. What? Uh, regarding Decision to Leave. What's the surprise? Well, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Because <laughs> okay. we, we, we have uh, stuff on a list, man. We have a list now. But we've also been going a long time, and i got to be out of here at like 1230. The tinnitus, by the way, in Tar, I thought that was inter- an interesting thing where she like can hear things, and she's yeah. going around the house, and it, the, the sound fades away. Yeah. And then when you come to find that one sound, it's that one woman who, like, was on the floor asking for help. Yeah. I like that. That was an interesting... I like that face you're making. You should see the wince you have on. No, it's, well, it's, that's... 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 Okay, that... Okay. Well, all right, that's, that's... I love doing visual bits on an audio-only yeah, podcast. Yeah, on an audio... So that's what my... Okay, initially, that was my favorite thing about it. It's like, oh, this is an audio me- medium. You know, how do we fuck with it? It turns out you know, I'm only just, doing visual bits. We just do mediums. Yeah, yeah. That no one can enjoy here but Timo. That's who it's that's the only person listening to this goddamn podcast is Timo. It is true. And I hear it like three or four times before I post it, so you know. You have a good audience. You know, they're repeat listeners. Good. Um I didn't dig a Triangle of Sadness the way other people did. What do you like most about it? I like how fun it is. Well, I didn't think it was that fun. I feel like Greek uh I feel like it was a Greek sort of style of comedy. Sort of like. Let's wait for the them to finish. Yeah. Do you want to describe the whole story, scenario here? Oh yeah, there was a gentleman who was complaining about something with one of the screens. Okay. 
and Lou said he was fixing it, and then the man went back into the theater and then immediately came back out and said, can I, sh-? like, he was, like, trying to show Lou while Lou was in the process of fixing it. How and then he went into the theater and he's like, oh, you fixed it. And Lou was like, yes. I said I would. Yeah. This happens a lot. That's why when you, like, you looked startled when this all was all happening right behind you, immediately right behind you. So, like, yeah. the, the well, tenseness, I mean, see, yeah. like, I, you know, is palpable. I've seen, like, 30 films in this theater. Pro- not 30. I've seen, like, at least 15 th- films in this theater. Yeah. And, like, there's occasionally been- weird things that happen before the movie, but the movie's always perfect. Oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go or, so far as perfect. I, I saw Triangle yeah. of Sadness. That's far from perfect. No, I, I mean, like, like the way scene. you're projecting the movie is I'm always joking. perfect. I'm joking. Have you ever been the one to complain at any theater? Yeah, I mean, I've complained at movies, but it's because of, like, they're, it's, they're doing something wrong. Like, I saw Wife of a Spy, and instead of playing Wife of a Spy, they played Dear Evan Hansen. So we complained. We're like, this isn't the movie we paid to see. You're playing the, this in the wrong theater. Wife of a Spy, and you were watching Dear Evan Hansen. They just projected Why Dear Evan Hansen. Why did you just Hansen leave on Dear Evan It sounds like God's will. Like, he was well, like, Wife of a Spy was terrible. I don't remember which one Wife of a Spy was. I wanted It was remember. a Kiyoshi Kurosawa movie. I was like heartbroken. I love Kiyoshi Kurosawa. And Wife of a Spy was just atrocious. It wasn't terrible. It was so boring. It wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. I would say it was bad. I would say it's it was mediocre in a very aggressive way and to me. It was aggressive with something. I thought it was aggressively mainstream looking. Like very like Oh, there's But that's not why you see a Kiyoshi Kurosawa movie. <laughs> I don't know. I thought that's why you see any movie. It's like to see something good. Well, yeah, mainstream doesn't mean good. Yeah, no. I just saw this movie, Death, uh, Death in Venice, and there's this great line in it. And he's like, you know, at the bottom of the mainstream, you know what lies there, what the bedrock of the mainstream is? Mediocrity. And he's not wrong. Yeah, I know, but what's wrong with mediocrity? Are you seriously asking me that question? Oh, I'm not not seriously asking you it do you have a serious response for it or is it yeah, is it like nothing. so it's nothing you gain nothing from mediocrity there's no i feel like the reason mediocrity is mediocrity is because it's nothing i think mediocrity is mediocrity because it's everywhere no i don't do, i don't agree with that yeah the mediocrity means like boring because everybody's doing it and it yeah but hold for you Thank you. If it's boring no one's, and everyone's doing it, then no one's doing it, and it's nothing. Marvel movies are the epitome of mediocrity these days. And they suck dick. And how much money are they making? Millions and billions. And how many... How much? What, what, why is that the metric of value? Uh, I, don't, I don't know why capitalism. I just, I just see it happen, and I can Let's explain. Let's stop talking about capital. We can never stop talking. I would, that's like the, the word of the day. Yeah, wait, Triangle wait. of sadness is all about capitalism. Uh, what's a better movie? Sorry, Swept I away. to a text. What? Swept Away. Swept Away? The Lena Wertmuller movie? I haven't seen it. I haven't seen that or the Madonna remake. I heard she saw the, she was in the, the premiere of, the, of that remake. Lena Wertmuller? And she mm-hmm. went running, crying out of the theater. And then when they interviewed her later, she was through tears. Why would they do this to my film? Like, that's such a scenario for me. There's like, yes, there is those like absurd artists who are over the top about how everything is art and art. And, the, and then there are people who are like really genuinely feel close to their work. And you could see like, yeah, like the distress of like, why would like, and you don't have an answer for it. It's like, yeah, well, you know, it's a moneymaker. We thought this would make money. There's, that's the reason they made it. You know, Madonna, yeah. she's a hit. Surely people are going to love this movie. And everyone hated it. And, every, and, no and it was, and it was a flop. Not only was the, you know, the uh, Lena offended. It wasn't even worth it. 
Like yeah, they lost like how much? Can you Google? Well, I'll Google. I'll Google it because my phone's faster. Oh, but I think it funny? cost like fifty million to make, and they made like significantly less than that. I think it's hilarious that you know those numbers. I'm an erotic dude. I know a lot of weird things. Your uh, how do I know you know your social security number? Does that count? Go ahead. No, it cost ten million, but it made less than it made one million. It made a tenth of its budget back. Oh, it was directed by Guy Ritchie, not Madonna. Right. Oh, dude. Yeah, that would make sense. I thought it was directed by Madonna. I don't know why. Uh, well, cause she may as well be. I think she's like a. She's got that um, sort of. Uh, there's a word for it, but I don't know what the word is. Uh, where you know her something precedes her reputation. She's got yeah. that reputation. Uh, I think she was married to Guy Ritchie, right? And that's what that's what flipped over his career. She was married. Other things flipped over his career, but they were married. They were married. I think he started making not good movies, and that's, that's what yeah, that's over around his the time. Yeah, he, I mean, I don't know. He's Snatch was fine. interesting, like, first two films. Fucking. Yeah, I like Snatch. Snatch I is good. really like Snatch, and I really like the other one as well. Lock, Sock, Lock and Two Smoking Barrels? I need to see it again. Um, the Triangle of Sadness, it's like we're, not, we're destined to not talk about it. You want to skip over to talk about Street Magic? Straight magic? Street magic? Street magic? Street magic? I don't want to talk about street magic. With David Blaine? I like David Blaine, but it's too much right now. Let's talk about the 100 movies. Let's talk about what? The 100 movies and then end it because I got a, I got a skedaddle. Okay. Um, Triangle of Sadness is a C-minus movie. Uh, you liked it? Uh, I, gave a, I, I, gave, I only really give like three ratings, which is like no rating, a like, or a five stars and a like. And I give it a five stars and a like. Wow, I liked it a lot. Really like strict. I don't really care that much. This BFI thing, uh, do you care about that much? I, I think about it. I don't like. I'm not as perturbed as a lot of people are by it. Tell the people what we're talking about here. So there's a, a film list that's the definitive list. Like it, you know, when people are like, "Oh, did you hear that Citizen Kane is no longer the best film ever made? It's now Vertigo." The list they're talking about is the BFI Sight and Sound list. They do it once every decade. They did it again this year. They released a list on the first, and a lot of people are salty about it. I think there are some good reasons to be salty. There are four films that came out in the last five years that made the list, and I think that's a little too much. Uh, I think it was Get Out, Parasite, Moonlight, and Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Uh, And I think those are all great movies. I think, honestly, it was a little much, though, especially with how high some of them were. A Portrait of a Lady on Fire was the 30th best film ever made. I adore that film. Uh, I don't think it's been around long enough to say that. I feel like anything recent is not fair to throw up on a list like that. However, too, the amount of movies coming out nowadays, shouldn't they lump that like another 50, 75 to that 100 just to account for the amount of uh, you know, quality that movies that are coming out? They should lump what? Like a, like it should be like 175 of all time. Well, it used to be 250. Uh, I think they are going to release the 250 list again at some point. But it's it's a different list altogether. It it's would be. It's the same list. It's the same list. They just it's much longer. Um, yeah. I could be wrong about that though. I, I I haven't looked at that list in a, the 12 2012 list in many years. Um, but yeah, I mean, I prefer the director's list. They do a critics list and a director's list. I think the director's list is better almost every time. This is a periodical, right? Every 10 years. I got to buy this periodical. Sight and Sound? Yeah, no, you yeah, don't. yeah. It's not very good anymore. 
from what I've that, heard, it's I, not very good. I humor. like it. I have one. It's 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 dense as fuck. They which are I dense. Love. That's what I like about it. Yeah, the movie notebooks I keep hearing are like the one to get if you're gonna get anything. I've got the number zero. I'm afraid to get one and two in case I never have time to read them. I don't get periodicals anymore just because I don't like them that much. I love. I periodicals. prefer just books. I got. I liked being on the bus and seeing everyone on their phone and being like, "Oh, I want to read something." And then I had pull out this fucking big. Right now, I pull out the big uh, New York review of books that I have to unfold like an old-timey newspaper. NYRB? Yeah, 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 I love that shit. NYRB is fucking the best. I yeah, love yeah, NYRB. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, again, it's dense with just like, I might not like everything, but I don't have time to read everything anyway. But they always have at least one, two good things in there to just yeah. learn about or whatever. The books they released to are amazing. Like, uh, they released the this year's Pulitzer Prize winner, The Netanyahu's, or uh, it has a long title, but it's incredible. The and book it only got released because of them, and it was only released on paperback, and it won the Pulitzer Prize. Um, it's incredible. Read the Netanyahu by Joshua Cohen. It's fantastic, Joshua especially Cohen. if you're Jewish. Okay. Yeah. Um, call it sleep. I finished reading. Did I, I tell you Roth? about that? Yeah. How was it? It's incredible. It's I really very it's good. Yeah. Uh, I think I don't get it. I feel like there's a lot that went over my head, but I enjoyed it. Though it was an enjoyable ride. Yeah. Uh, just watching this kid grow up uh, because I'm a sucker for coming of age. Uh, I'm also reading about Dennis Hopper. Are we going to end it on books? It has been a minute. I'm afraid to look, but it's probably been an hour. Yeah, let's end it on books. Let's talk about books for a few minutes. Um, and then I'll... The library, yeah. I, I got... Uh, I typed in on the search. I typed in Hopper, Dennis Hopper, and I got... Yeah. Ileana Douglas wrote a book called I Blame Dennis Hopper, and then I saw a book um, I forget the title, but it's about Brooks, Brooke Hayward and, and Dennis Hopper's relationship in the 60s. Evidently, it's a new book, uh, but it's very good. It's really very good. And uh, that's just uh, me reading. What are you reading? Uh, that sounds really interesting. I love Dennis Hopper. The Richard Linklater story about Dennis Hopper is always great. Have you heard him tell his Dennis Hopper story? Tell me. He went and saw Out of the Blue in 1980 when it came out. Great film. I need to see it. And Dennis Hopper was there in Austin, Texas with Vim Vendors, of all people. Uh, and he was like, I'm going to go do a, or no, no, maybe it was the American friend that he was there for. Okay. Can't remember which. It's in the eighties. Uh, 70, late seventies, early eighties. And he was like, I'm going to show you guys something. He's like, everyone in the theater got in a bus. So they had a bus waiting for them outside and he drove them to, I believe a racetrack in Austin. And he sat down in a chair and he lit a fuse and the chair blew up. He blew himself up. Dennis Hopper blew himself up. But then... When the clouds parted, Dennis Hopper was still perfectly there, and he's like, I set the bomb right. I would have died if I didn't. Like, I'm fucking up that story. Richard Linklater talks about it. Uh, on You can find Richard Linklater talking about it. He does a way better job. Yeah, that was a little anticlimactic, the way you sold it there. Okay. But you'll enjoy that story thoroughly. I love that story a lot. He, right. I just imagine him sitting there in the chair. Um, we have a customers coming in now. Uh, yeah, you guys are showing Tar Armageddon time Tar and Armageddon. decision to leave at noon, which is kind of a vibe. At noon. Yeah. Before, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna end, I'm gonna end this by saying if you haven't read Poor Things by Ali Astor Gray, I'm reading that right now. Yorgos Lanthimos is adapting it into a movie, and the book is incredible. And I don't understand how he's gonna make it into a movie. But it's great, and you should read it. I'm Poor Things by Ali Aster Gray. Okay, yeah, Poor yeah. Things. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to disliking the Noah Baumbach's adaptation of White Noise, but I'm excited it also to like it, even book, though I like the book. It, sure, it's unfilmable. I'm positive it's unfilmable. Well, that's like what I like. 
I like I hate movies that are just like the book abridged. And I, I feel like when, I'm sure there's a couple of great cases of that happen. I can't no, think of, of any. Course, I can't of think of any. Are, but they're, they're, it's like one percent of them are good. Yeah, you're and absolutely like, right. Or I agree in that. Yeah, with that but opinion. But poor things and white noise are both going to be their own fucking thing. Yes. So they're going to be much better. Um, and they're going to stand out. They're going to be their own the things. They're not going to be the book. Have a good track record. Safe they to both say? do. Yeah. Yeah. Noah Baumbach and Yorgos, Yorgos Lanthimos. Yes. Incredible record. Incredible. Two of the greatest filmmakers working today. Yeah. The only other good case of that is High Rise. That I oh Empire I of the Sun is terrible. But what was Empire what? of the Sun? That's the same author yeah. but different book. J.G. Ballard. Crash. Uh, same author. Also amazing. Great movie. So, so I guess some. A lot of unfilmable shit is just adaptable. Well, it's here's the thing. If you're gonna adapt a book, the goal is to make it your own piece of art while keeping the themes and ideas of the book intact as much as you can. That or working sound. with the artist to make it its own thing. Because it's you know, I'm reading poor things right now, right? Yeah. It's great. But yeah. the reason it works so well is because of the way it is written yeah. and the physical descriptions of these characters are like immaculate. And but they're so insane there's they're unfilmable. Like there's this sequence in the book where uh, the character of uh, Goodwin Baxter, who's going to be played by Willem Dafoe, has a lot of really interesting character descriptions that I don't think they could pull off in the movie, but there's a sequence where he screams in it. And the way they describe the scream is his mouth opens up to the point where you can't see the rest of his head. It's just his mouth and teeth screeching this high-pitched screech of like pain. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. There's no way you could put that in a movie and have it work. Or is... especially a live-action movie. Yes, I, okay. Um, or if you did, it would be a choice that would be really interesting. And I, I feel like... There's something to that, man. You would, you, yeah. I could see Willem Dafoe screaming, but you're going to see the squinty eyes. There's, you're going to see the nose. There are things that, you, you can't, you, that you're going to see that you can't unsee. Whereas if you're reading something... It's your you, own vision, yeah. Yeah, you see a gaping, open, wide mouth, and it makes sense, and it's not necessarily a cartoon. Yeah, Our, absolutely. The one other thing... What's that, that other thing that comes to mind? Uh, not Infinite Just, the one that uh, Paul Thomas Henderson did. Uh, Inherent Vice. That was supposed to be... Inf- uh, no, I no every Pinchon book everyone says is unfilmable. There's no Pinchon book that everyone's like, dude, you should definitely adapt fucking Crying of Lot 39. There's no 49, sorry, into a movie. Like, there's no Pinchon book. I need to read Pinchon. I have a copy of Vineland, and Maybe I'm terrified Lot. of it. I think Lot 49 Everyone could work. tells me that's, like, the least adaptable of all of them. That's the least adaptable? Despite, despite it Everything being by far the shortest. It seems to like, me the most adaptable. Because if they can yeah, put... Yeah, I'd assume the least adaptable would be Against the Day, because it's fucking 1,100 pages. Yeah, they're all they're all. I would love to see all of them though. Like, but I yeah. just don't. Uh, the it would have been nice to see Chris Farley in that serious role as uh, the main dude in Confederacy of Dunces, the movie. Yeah, but he thinking been great. back, who would have directed that? They probably would. There's a lot of interesting people that were behind it, and none of them would have been good for that. No, movie. yeah, that's what I've. I'm the thinking. only person I can think of that could do that book justice is Noah Baumbach. I think he could do it well. No, but but uh, think back though. It's got to be the, the, the 90s. The like, could who's, do a, it. who's directing in the 90s? That's Harold Ramis. I know wanted to do oh, it. He would have been interesting. I think Charlie. Kaufman and Michelle Gondry were set to do it at some point, but I'm that is me pulling that out of my ass. I yeah. could be wrong. I, and again, we're talking about fantasies. Again, it, it's yeah. just, but we're talking about books, we're talking about uh, unfillable stuff, we're talking about no days off, man. Uh, Matt, it's been good talking to you, man. We didn't get to uh, the whole list. I want to talk about Ricky J and Street Magic's incredible. You know, David Blaine, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go, Sam. Uh, yeah. Matt, I'll see you later. I'll see you later. All right, yeah, we can talk about David.